Hello and welcome to the River of Portland Church Podcast. I'm so glad you tuned in. We've got a message brought to us by our own brother, Jerry Willoughby. Jerry is a, a great anointed teacher and pastor. He has uh, pastored several churches here in Tennessee. We're, we're fortunate to have him. We're blessed to have him. Uh, he teaches our Sunday school here, and I tell you, it's a it's a great message for the times that we're in. You know, with this coronavirus that's going around, it's got everybody filled with fear, and you know, fear is not what drives us. It shouldn't be what drives us. What should drive us is that we have confidence in our God and in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that confidence, I want you to listen to this message today. And if you'll put something into it, you'll get something out of it. And what you're going to get out of it is some sound peace of mind. If you'll listen to the Holy Spirit and listen to the words that Jerry teaches here, it's not his words. He's just teaching the words out the Bible. Amen. So listen in, get your Bibles out, have them ready, get ready to be fed some of the word of God here and enjoy the message. Thank you, Lord. Everybody give the Lord a big old hand clap of appreciation. Amen. Lift him up. Lift him up. Lift him up. Amen. You may be seated. If you don't want to, stand. It's okay with me. Thank you, Lord. We're so thankful, as Pastor said, for everyone that came out today. And uh, I want to tell you to begin with, I want to build a foundation for you. I want to tell you that perilous times have came. We're facing demonic forces. Now, a lot of preachers, a lot of lay members, a lot of teachers, a lot of Christians do not want to know about the devil. But I'm here to tell you, as pastor called yesterday and left the robocall and the very words that he quoted over my answering machine was this. There's a spirit of fear. Now listen to what I'm saying. Don't take this lightly. I'm going to give you the negative. I'm going to give you some insight. It's a word for the time and the season. Right now we ain't preaching on tithing. We're preaching on a demonic force that has been unleashed. And it's out to bring fear upon the children of the Most High God. And many of God's children are going to adhere to it. They're going to accept it. It's going to paralyze your thoughts. It's going to rob you of your emotions. It's been a group of demonic spirits that had been unleashed from the very pits of hell. And they have been told to go out and bring fear to take these circumstances that you and I are facing today. And this is a word straight from the throne room of grace. And hear me out. It's not time to play church anymore. It's not time to straddle the fence because God has called us to put on the whole armor of God for us to stand against the wiles of the devil. There's a real devil out there and he's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he doesn't mind if you've got a PhD. He doesn't mind if you're a pastor. He doesn't mind if you're a teacher. He's out to destroy you. He's out to rob from you. But praise be unto God. John 10 and 10 says... Jesus himself quoting the very authentic word of God. He said this, but I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Give God a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. 
I talked to three different pastors yesterday without even mentioning what I was going to be speaking on until they spoke to me. And one pastor said, Brother Jerry, I'm going to be speaking out of Isaiah, the 41st uh, chapter and verse 1 and 2. And that's talking. That's not where we're going today, church. But he said, I've got to tell my people to fear not the circumstances. And I want to tell you today, I want to tell you today that God is speaking to us. And He's telling you and I that we do not have to surrender. We do not have to accept this spirit of fear. We don't have to entertain this spirit of fear. We can rise up with wings as eagles. We can soar over these circumstances. You can have joy unspeakable and full of God's glory if we will surrender to Him today. Let me tell you the choice is yours. As I shared with the Sunday school class, let me ask you a simple question. How many of you have got your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? The ones that didn't raise your hand, I'm gonna, I'm gonna accept you're born again, saved, and your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life, you just don't want us to know it. But let me tell you, that ain't what we're talking about now. We're talking about spiritual warfare. You see, America, America is at a place to where certain situations are happening. We don't know how to deal with it. As I said in Sunday school, there's not a man right now to this very moment that has the knowledge to come up with a cure for what's ailing the world today. How many of you, I talked to a 70 year old lady the other day. How many of you, how many of you have ever seen Walmart pay for employees to safeguard toilet tissue? Come on, laugh about it. We ain't gonna let it be a big deal. I'm not gonna get bound up because they're saying, oh, it's a, it's a shortage of toilet tissue. You ain't gonna depress me with that. I'm going to laugh at you. I, I told the workers, I said, I've never seen anything like it. He said, well, sir, you know, would you like this big 24-roll package? I said, no, sir. Smallest one you got, buddy. Come on. We ain't defeated. We're overcomers. If God be for you, who can be against you? If God is your heavenly and earthly father, then... Why is he not going to take care of us? There's a spirit of fear being unleashed. Pastor said it on the robocall. Pastor in West Tennessee said it yesterday that he's preaching on fear. And God gave me a message to encourage you. Turn to John 16, Father God, take me this morning. Use me. Let me be a mouthpiece for you and, and you alone. Father God, Anoint me with a fresh anointing from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Let me speak only what you would have your children to hear. Let me be that person with the word in season for the very situations that we are facing today. Let this word fall on good ground. Let it become faith. Let it become light for our path. Let it become our wisdom. 
if there's a one here that doesn't know you for the free pardon of their sins, God, we don't have to wait till this service is over. Because we don't know that the rapture might not take place while I'm preaching. So if it's a person sitting on the, in the chair right here in this church in the sound of my voice, if they don't know you for the free pardon of their sins, or if they're in, in the valley of decision, God, I ask you to deal with their heart right where they're at and let them come to you. Lord, it's between you and them and nobody else. Father God, we're going to give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody in the house of God, the children of the Most High God said, I want to use one verse for a springboard and to get the message going here. And Jesus says this, John 16, 33. He said, These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. Look at me. You don't have to go around burdened. I said, you don't have to go around burdened. Jesus was talking to his disciples. He said, in the world. Now, how many, how many of you besides myself are living in this world? Every one of us. Come on, let's get down on the elementary level. Jesus spoke it on an elementary level. Let's receive it on an elementary level. He said, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. He said, because in the world you shall have tribulation. Look at me. You might as well admit it. As long as we're on this earth, it's going to be trials and temptations and tribulations and discouragement. But, he said, you got to live in the world, but you don't have to be as the world. He said, listen, I'm fixing to depart from you. He said, in the world you shall have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer. What did he say? He said, Jerry, will it be, be of good cheer when you're going through trials and tribulation? Why? Because it's a testimony that the world needs to hear. Come on, church. I don't know about you, but this has really got into my heart. The other day, the Lord's had a doctor's appointment in White House, and we stopped at White House. Uh, Walmart and the cashier was checking us out, and I got to talking to her and got to ministering to her. And you can ask the Lord. She's a witness to it. She she quit scanning our groceries. And she stood there, and she wept, and she sobbed. And people behind me as I got to ministering to her and encouraging her and her telling me about her husband that was lost and her husband, her family that had backslid and her grandson that got saved and baptized and said, I, he says now he don't even know if it's a real God. I said, let me tell you something. I don't even know you, but I'm going to encourage you. And I got to minister to her. And before we walked out of there, it was people behind me listening to the truth of the gospel with an attentive ear. And the tears dried up, Pastor Herbie. I'm sorry, Pastor Mays. <laughs> Brother Herb, what? Okay, I'm sorry. Either way, but her tears dried up. And when we left, she was joyful. And she said, thank you for the encouragement. And then I went into Lowe's just to walk around. And I don't know, I just had nothing except just thoughts of purchasing something. And run into a lady and she let me know straight to my face that I'm not religious. I don't believe in this stuff. But by the time I got through ministering to her and telling her about the children of Israel and how God brought them out and how God... God sustained them and for a purpose and a plan to bless them. She looked at me and she said, Sir, thank you for what you're sharing with me. And I could tell you and my wife is a witness over and over and over and over as Jerry Willoughby sees the opportunity to tell somebody something good, to give them a little bit of faith and a little bit of hope in a depressed, fearful time in their life. Jesus said tribulations are going to come to the disciples. 
Now let me share something with you. First of all, remember the disciples walked with Jesus. They slept with Jesus. And up to this point, everything that took place, every miracle, everybody that released faith toward Christ, everybody that was sick had come to Christ, everybody that was hungry had come to Christ, everybody that had a true heart to grow in Christ came to Christ. All the disciples did, they were, they were spectators at this time. We don't have to lay hands on the sick. We don't have to speak faith. Jesus is doing everything for us. But now he said, I'm about ready to depart. I'm about ready to go back to my father. And he said, because you have seen what I have done, and because you know you're going to go through tribulations as I have went through them, he said, but you have joy. You have peace. He said, because what I'm fixing to do now, I'm fixing to commission you to do more than I done when I walked on earth. Now let me ask you, how do you feel when the anointing of God overtakes our pastor and the gifts of healing become so real in this area? And deliverance begins to manifest. And then all of a sudden, what would you do? How would you feel if pastor looked at you when he was under the anointing and the presence of God was so on him that he handed you the mic and said, here. That's what was taking place. They had followed Jesus. They had seen everything. Jesus was preparing them. He was getting them ready. He was letting them know you're going to go through these things. Church, the negative of this is, as long as we're in this world, offenses are going to come. But my father says, woe unto them that bring these offenses. So I want to talk about the Bible says, and they listen to me, you can debate this, but if you want to debate it, that's okay. I want to tell you what I've been taught and, and, and my search says. I've never counted, never, I've never researched. I just got it from the summary of it. But the Bible in the concordance of the King James Version says that fear not is recorded 365 times. How many days is in a year? Wait a minute. Coincidental? There's a fear not in the Bible for every day of your life. Now listen to that. So, Brother Willoughby, I'm really, and I'm not here to beat you down or, because we all fight this battle. I mean, both of my kids is losing jobs and fear tries to creep in and what are they going to do? But I have to go to the Word of God. And let me tell you, 
We are commanded to fear not. Now the Bible says that if we want to please God. Now first this is the question I'm going to oppose to you. How many wants to please God? And before you raise your hand, don't let it be an, an emotional, quick answer to a question. Because when you say, I want to please God, and God knows it's from a sincere heart, honey, get ready. But how many really wants to please God? And the rest of us, we don't know yet. And that's okay. It's okay. But the Bible commands us to not fear. So you mean I don't have the right to fear? You're either going to walk in fear or you're going to walk in faith. Now, I remember preaching back years ago when I first went through my college and went through my Tennessee State exam and went through the Assemblies of God exam and and everything I took and every exam I took, I've never used any of it to, to father me into the ministry. It's never worked. But I remember I was so happy, and I told Pastor Baggett, I said, I've been invited to preach at a church in West Nashville, West Side Assembly of God, that's no longer existing, and it didn't close because I preached. <laughs> well, it might have. <laughs> but regardless, I'm still going, they're not. But Dolores and some of her co-workers and some of my friends was coming to church that Sunday night, and I said, God... It's going to be five or six people there that doesn't know you for the free pardon of their sins. And I said, I'm going to ask you to save each and every one of them tonight. And I got up and I preached out of Proverbs, the first chapter. And if you've never read it and don't read it now, but read it when you go home. It talks about how God, how God called for the people to repent and to turn from their wicked ways. And they refused God. They denied God. They went on doing their nonchalant business daily. And the Bible goes on in the first chapter and the 21st verse. Now listen, tell me if this ain't fulfilling today in our sight. And God said, because you have refused me and turned me down. He said, I'm going to laugh at you when the fear comes upon you, and I'm going to laugh at your calamities. And that's what God said. So let's visualize now the heavenlies with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. In the heavenlies. And seeing some of the things that America is paralyzed by today. And do you think God is not looking at some of this silliness and saying, I've sent men, I've sent prophets, I've sent ministers, I've sent teachers, I've sent witnesses to you, and you've turned me down. I don't know about you, but it's stirring something in this old boy's heart. You see again, the Bible talks about fear. And the Bible says that, how do I overcome this, Brother Jerry? First of all, you go to the Word. I don't know, and I don't say this disrespectfully, but since I've served 
God. I was raised up in church and got out at 17 and thought I could handle the world till I was 34 years old and found out that it was a dead-end addictive lifestyle with the temptation and the devil that wanted to destroy me. And I've seen great men of God, and you have too, brother, come and go. And I've looked at them and I've used them for their anointing to minister to me many, many times. But I'm telling you this, there's going to be a time that that man of God is not going to be with you in the wee hours of the night when the darkness comes to invade your soul. So how do I overcome this fear? First of all, we've got to conclude this, that God commands us to not fear. And the Bible says in Psalms, you don't have to turn there because I'm going to try to rush hurriedly get through some of these to, to help you. Psalms 34 and 4, the psalmist said, I sought the Lord. How do I overcome fear? First of all, you need to start seeking God. I had a person ask me not too long ago, said, where do y'all attend church? And I told them, they said, you go all the way to Portland? I said, I do. They said, why? I said, because they got a part of God up there that I want to be a part of. Well, I wouldn't drive that far. I thought, yeah, and that's the way you are. But first of all, to overcome fear, we've got to seek God. And the psalmist didn't say, I'm only going to seek after the Lord. He said, and he heard me. Notice how fast his very actions of me seeking the Lord, comma, and he heard me. Most of us will say, I'm praying. Most of us will tell the world, I'm praying. But we need to go a step farther and say, I'm praying for you, child. And honey, you're coming back home. I may get in the doghouse and probably will, but it won't be the first time. And I know it won't be the last time. But at 33 years old, I came back to Jesus three years before Dolores came back to Jesus. And I used to look at her and tell her this. She was raised up in another denomination. She said we were wacky. I don't believe in that. I'm never going to be married to a Pentecostal preacher. I don't care to be a pastor's wife. Everything God had called me to do, she was totally against it. But how many times when the opportunity, the door of opportunity would open, I'd say, Dolores, one day you're going to be saved. You're going to be a preacher's wife. You're going to be a pastor's wife. And she'd look me in the face and say, no, I'm not. What are you saying? I used to seek God for her salvation. And I used to speak to her that one day she was coming in. Well, now you decide if she's here or not. That's up to you to judge. He, he, he said, he said, I sought the Lord and he heard me. And what else did he do, O Psalmist? He delivered me from all of my fears. 
I challenge you by faith in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that saved you and filled you and wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life, the one that said, I'm coming back after you and I've gone to prepare a place for you and where I go, there you will be also. I challenge you to look at somebody with an audible voice and step on the devil's head and release faith and say, God is going to deliver me from all of my fears. I challenge you to speak that forth into the airways and the principalities even right now. Yesterday morning in my prayer time, laying in the bed, praying, seeking God, confessing, repenting, asking God to strengthen me in all my weak areas. Why not confess it? He knows it. Why not get right with God? He wants to get right with me. And as I told Pastor Mays yesterday, he called a house. I said, I think, didn't I tell you this about Life and death, or was that some of the other preachers? I don't remember. But God spoke to me and He said, Jerry, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. And He said, you speak life. He said, but no, also, wow. When you speak death, the fruition of your speech will come to manifest. So what are you saying? Okay, so for one hour I speak life. When I'm up here at church and Pastor Mays is preaching under the anointing and I, amen, hallelujah, I even pray and speak in an unknown tongue and I exhibit it. But then when I walk out the door and the enemy Attacks my mind, my emotion, my children, my marriage, my job, my finances, my belief, my intents, my dreams, my desires. What am I speaking? Think about it. Because the devil is going to bring fear upon you. And the devil can paralyze you. You say, oh, I'm doing good. No, you're not. I don't care how far you've went in God. There's more. I don't care how much knowledge you got. There's more. I'm not saying this bragging by any means, but Pastor Baggett used to bug me about it when I finished college and left with an A minus grade. Eschatology. The learning the chronological order of end time events that will bring the rapture. And after that, going into the sequences of the seven year tribulation and, and on earth, but the seven years of, of us getting our rewards in heaven. And then after the seven years, what's going to take place when the saints in the heavenlies come back to Jerusalem, to Israel and set up the 1000 year reign? A plus, but let me tell you something. In the last week, I've probably been renewed of the Word of God like never before. So don't just think about dwelling. Has it come easy? No. 
We were here last night, probably, I don't know, 20 of us, and people were crying out to God and repenting and asking God to, to heal our land. And I told Pastor yesterday, I said, listen to me, you may say, well, I can pray at home. Yes, you can. And so can I, and I do. But I've never felt the presence of God in my house the way I did here last night, brother. And you say, no, we don't need unity. Let me tell you something. Don't you get in a fearful way of mind to say that we don't need unity because unity, if one can put a thousand to flight, ten can put uh, ten thousand to flight. If we get twenty, you do the multiplication. I'm telling you, when we prayed last night, demonic forces begin to tremble. Fear is going to leave. Let me tell you something else. Pastor can rebuke fear off of you. I can pray the prayer of faith over you. And you may say, Brother Jerry, I've got some fear that's troubling me. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I know an anointing, and it's called the Lord Jesus Christ, that's greater than your fear. And we can set you free from it. Brace yourself. We can set you free from it today. And you can walk right out that door and entertain it again and invite it right back in. That's why, church, we better put on the whole armor of God. Why, Brother Willoughby? That we can withstand the wiles of the devil. Don't you, don't you let the devil deceive you or you let some man or some woman or somebody stand up, stand up and tell you there's not a real devil. The devil wants you to think the only devil it is is these little costumes. There's a real devil that's going to sneak in and appear as an angel of light that'll deceive the very elite in the last days. I'm telling you this, hear me out. There's been demonic forces. And I'm not speaking that just to be speaking to bring fear upon you. I'm telling you what God has showed me. You accept it, you reject it, you do whatever you want to. But I know how I'm battling my spiritual warfare. There had been demonic forces that had been unleashed from hell. The very pits of hell with a commandment to go out and bring fear upon people. And paralyze even God's people. And I'm going to hit on this because I'm a part of the church too, a part of the ministry team here. Just because you miss, don't, don't, don't think the church bills don't keep going. Listen to me. Fear would grip, grip you. I'm fixing to close. I didn't even get nowhere close, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm not going to apologize for what God's doing. I went to Pastor Baggett when I first got out of college and everything and, and talked to him. And I said, you know, Pastor, I think Mentalors is ready to apply for us a church and make ourselves available. He said, have you prayed about it? I said, oh, yeah. I said, Pastor, it's my heart's desire. I'm so caught up in wanting to be a pastor and preach and teach the word and go pray for the sick and lay hands on 
those that are possessed and the board members and oh, oh did I say that? That that should have been in that should have been in parentheses. That wasn't supposed to come out. But and I was so excited and and seriously, let me, let me tell you how God worked it so quick. I sent a resume to out to Jackson, Tennessee, and never pastored before. Really hadn't preached. I think Brother Hurt preached more of Millardville than I did, and and I can see why. He needed it. He needed the experience. I, no, no, I don't say that comically. I'm saying because God was going to send him on the missions field. Where he went and preached to thousands, I went and preached to 15. There's a big difference in your preparation. See, these people didn't understand that, brother, did they? So long story short, I said, Dolores, you ready? We're ready. Both of us at the time had good jobs, making good money, had a nice house. The kids was there. Going to Millardville where a lot of good things was happening. People getting, all they were doing was getting saved, filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. People getting healed. Really truthfully seeing people get out of wheelchairs. Really, I'm not exaggerating. It happened. It happened. Seen it. Seen it. You don't have to believe it. We took the church. We went and tried out and preached. They said, we want to meet with you after church tonight. I said, no problem. Met with them, and they said, we're going to vote on you tomorrow night. I said, okay. They, uh, that would have been Monday night, and they voted, and he called me, and he said, Brother Willoughby, you and Sister Dolores are our new pastors. I said, really? He said, yeah. And I said, let me ask you something, sir. I said, have you ever, have, are you for real? Do you know I've never pastored before in my life? He said, right. Then listen to this. He said, that's good. That's the kind of pastor we want where we can bring you down here and train you. I said, God, is this for real? God said, yes, it is. Uh, we pack up. We go down there. They offer. He goes to a Baptist church pastor, and he says, how much should we pay our new pastor? A tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled preacher goes to a non did I say that? We're being streamed. Goes to a person that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with an evidence and ask them how much he thinks they should pay the man that they brought from Nashville and his wife to pastor them. And he gave them a quote, which was hardly anything. And we prayed and God said, go, and we went. And within no time... We were going backwards in our finances. Our faith was being tried. Fear was gripping us. We started seeking God. And this is the truth. This is the truth. One Friday night in our house, the Lord's fixed supper. What was it, Sister Dolores? Think about it. Think about it. Oh, oh, nice man. Oh, my favorite preacher. Supper's on the table. Or had you rather me bring it to you in the bag? <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for this food. We receive it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We blessed our popcorn while they were enjoying themselves. Fear began to creep in. You didn't make the right decision. It wasn't God. 
you're not called of God. Nobody's getting saved. Nobody's getting filled. Look, everybody, everybody's sick. And I thought, did was I taught different? Something's not happening. Fear gripped our heart and gripped our mind. And we continued and we continued. And then one Wednesday night, when I was about ready to tell the deacons, it's over with now. I looked up, true story. One family, a husband, a wife, and four children walked in that church. And they looked like homeless people. My board was so richy. And I'm telling you, the head deacon, 2,000 acres of cotton and many employees. And that tells you something. And his wife, well, let me get it, finish this. They sat on the back row and looked like homeless people. And I preached what God gave me. And that message brought them to an altar. And the entire family accepted Christ. And every fear, every doubt that I ever had rose up, rose up. And the very word of God chopped it off. And it wasn't long I got to ministering to them and, and becoming their brother and their leader and their pastor. And they said, Brother Willoughby, Pastor Willoughby, we don't know much about God. This is all new to us. And one of the deacons, let me tell you how the devil works. The devil's going to work to destroy the gift and callings of your life. That's his job. But you don't allow it. The deacon's wife come to me and said, we need to do something about that family. I said, keep talking. They said, that little lady and her children, the little girls are wearing blue jeans in the church. I said, for real? She said, yes. I said, sister so-and-so, you live right up the street from the church. And every day when I leave my house and go into town, you're out in your yard with your blue jeans on and you're bent over. And a time or two I thought you was a plumber working in your yard without a kitchen sink. You got the point. And she said, well, Pastor... She said, look, the way we don't believe in that dress code. I said, ma'am, you don't know that family. They've never known God. They've, they've never bought what you call church clothes. And I said, but you know what? I'll suggest this to you today. If it offends you, let's nip it in the bud. And you and some of these other deacons' wife go to that woman and her two little daughters that's was as pretty as could be and didn't have the nice clothes that everybody else had. I said, you take them into Jackson and you bless them and buy them some church clothes and I'm sure they will accept it. Fear. You say, that's something simple. That's what Satan uses. Don't you let God's word commands us not to fear.
You know something else fear does? It'll put you in bondage. I'm going to be honest with you. And I, I, I'm praying seeking God over it. For several years now, I've told God. Dolores knows that Sister Melinda, she works with me and her and I talk God on our job every opportunity. And I've even shared it with her. I've been bound by the thought that I don't want to get back into the ministry. Pastor, I I don't or didn't want any part of it ever again. The Tennessee district called me and asked me to go try out for a church. And I went and preached and they said, we want you and your wife to become our pastors. And I sought God and used every excuse I could because I feared at my age stepping back out into the ministry. But you know what God is doing? As sure as I'm standing here, and I'm I'm fixing to close, I know you're getting bored, but it's a testimony. I was at work, and nobody knows this but me and God. I went in one of them old nasty working closets, and now it's full of chemicals, and when you open the door, it'll, it'll affect you big time. And I was sitting there by myself, and the words, and Dolores doesn't even know what I'm fixing to say, but these words are there. God spoke to my heart. And he said, Jerry, I'm not through with you. He said, and there's fixing to be a greater anointing come upon your life like you've never witnessed. And he said, under this umbrella of the anointing, you're going to see things that you've never witnessed. And I'm going to manifest your heart's desire. And I've got it written on paper. And it was flowing so fast. I was trying to write and I had to start shorthanding it. And listen to what I'm about to say. It wasn't, and, and she don't know this either. Sister Melinda. One day her and I were just a day or so after that. And I've never shared this with her. Her and I was talking, and she said, yeah, I listen to y'all on, on, on Facebook. I listen to Brother Herbie. I listen to you. And as God is my witness, that woman looked at me as I was standing at the door of her office, and she looked at me and said, Jerry, it's not going to be long till you step back out and start preaching and pastoring. Did you not tell me that? And I never shared with her that just a couple of days prior that God had spoke to my heart because I was scared to share it. 
I was fearful to share it. I have fought it. But God is doing a work. And the fear that once paralyzed me from the ministry is getting under the subjection to the spirit of faith. And Jerry is going to walk out in total victory. Really, I'm saying this, and I'm going to pray a blanket prayer. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I, you say, well, you preached on faith. Look, I, I, I'll anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith over you and touch your forehead, and, and I guarantee you God will do a work. But if you don't feel comfortable with it, God's not the author of confusion either. But I'm telling you, church, today is the day that we need to rise up. Put on the whole armor. Get rid of fear. Let faith arise and your enemies will be scattered in the name of Jesus. Everybody bow your head, please. Father God, we thank you for this word. We pray that it encourages someone. Father God, I plead the blood of Jesus over each and every one, God. I ask you today, if it's the one here that doesn't know you for the free pardon of their sin, if it's the one here this morning that is straddling the fence and, and really in their heart, don't actually know whether they would go to heaven should they pass away, should they die right now, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We lift you up, Jesus. Father God, in the name of Jesus, your word has went forth in the principalities of the air. Father God, your word says, fear not. Your word says, fear not. Father God, you said we could lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We could cast out devils. We could teach them to become disciples, God. Father God, whatever, in whichever way your word chooses through your spirit today to manifest itself, God, I ask you to do it. I asked you to do it in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Calvary. Father God, as we abide under the wings of the Most High God, as Jesus himself looked at, looked at the city of Jerusalem and said, only if you would have come and got under my wings, you would have been like the, the, the mother chick, the hen that would take the little, little chicklets and bring under their wings, under her wings. That's the way you are with us, God. Father, I pray the prayer of protection over each and every one. God, I pray that the very, very thought of anything, whether it be disease, financial problem, discouragement on our job, whatever it may be in each and every individual's life today, I cast you down in the name of Jesus. 
I loosen the anointing of the Holy Ghost to manifest itself. I pray, I pray that strength and joy and peace would rise up. I pray wherever we go that we would walk by people and people would look and the anointing of God would be so strong working through us that they would know there's something, something supernatural in the name of Jesus. I speak healing over my brothers and sisters. I pray that the heavens would flow with healing over my brothers and sisters. Deliverance. Don't you let the devil lie to you. A person asked me the other day again. They said, what is your thoughts over this? I said, my thoughts is a peace deep down in my heart. And I believe it's not going to last long. I believe God is going to stop it. But we, even this time and season, we've got to seize the moment when there's an opportunity in this season to preach and proclaim the uncompromised word of God. Let me just ask you, is it anyone here that wants us to pray for you? If you want to come up and you don't even, we won't even touch you. We can pray. It, 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 I know what the Bible says. The Bible says, call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint you with oil and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. I know that. And that's a biblical principle. But it also says this, where two agree is touching any one thing, it shall be done. We don't really have to touch you. God's made a way for any, any, any way of getting us healed in the name of Jesus. We don't have to lay hands on you. We can just agree with you in prayer, but we can't agree with you if you don't let it be known, if you don't speak it into existence, if you don't believe God in life and speak life. Is there anybody here before we dismiss? I hope this message encouraged you for the week. I hope that it gave you encouragement and strength and wisdom and knowledge and some, some, some comfort to know that God is in control. And that as you're facing this week and all this turmoil is happening around you, that is exactly right. It is happening around you. Amen. So until next time, I'm Pastor Mike. And as we say here at the river, God loves you, we love you, and Jesus is still Lord. Be blessed.